Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross. All right, you guys are live. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here. It is September 13th. List and your boy podcast number 37. 37, Jimmy? Yeah, man. Going through these really, really quickly, Sean. It's been almost yeah, a year. Well, almost a year since we started been. doing this. Yeah. You know, it's, it's weird for me to think that this show wasn't around for like the first five months of Fightful. It's true. Yeah, because I, I left you on your own to try to get things done, and when that wasn't working, I figured I might as well step <laughs> in and... Oh, man. So, Sean, let me tell you something. Uh-huh. You you never cease to amaze me when it comes to your ability to make friends everywhere you go. Oh, yeah. Never cease to amaze me. Made a lot in Toronto. You made a lot in Toronto. You made some on Twitter recently. And, uh... uh Jimmy. Jimmy. I have thousands <laughs> of followers. I'm verified. Of course I'm making friends on Twitter all the time. Yes, you're verified. You got the blue check mark. So, uh, yeah. why don't you tell everybody a little bit uh, and, and remember, this is not an MMA podcast, but tell people a little bit about your little exchange with a UFC fighter. I saw that exchange and I thought to myself, only Sean Rossap. Only him. Who, James Krause? Ray Borg. Oh, oh, I thought you meant maybe Justine Keish or Kat Zingano or Chris Cyborg. Or, oh, here know, we go. Here are we the go. other dozens of UFC fighters that follow me on Twitter? Not a name dropper. No, I'm talking about well, what happened not, with Ray Borg. Once. Not one that doesn't follow me on Twitter and was trying to call me out over factual information, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you guys went back and forth a fair bit? Well, well, let's talk about first, how did how did Tyron Woodley respond to being corrected? Pretty yeah, well, I think. He did, he did, he did. So now people might not know who these people are. So Tyron Woodley is a UFC fighter and he does the Fox broadcasts. And Pat he, Fannin, by the way, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Pat Fannin, and it, he just reminded me. Not surprisingly, Ray Borg blew him off twice for scheduled interviews for us. Did he? Yes. 
before, Prior, well before, well before this. Wow, wow. I forgot all about that. So uh, let's shout out at Fannin for letting us know. Let's use Nigel as the uh, as the soundboard on this because he's not an MMA guy. Why don't you explain to, to Nigel high level what Ray Borg did, what he has done, and your little okay, your little exchange. So Ray Borg was scheduled to fight Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, the UFC's flyweight champion at UFC 215 last weekend. Now, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson has come under fire a little bit. He has not been marketed maybe the way he should be. He's a 125-pound fighter, but he was looking to break a pretty long-standing record for most consecutive UFC title defenses at uh, 11, which is an amazing feat. Some kind of look at Ray Borg as him being given an opportunity to break this record, but still, the guy's won five of his last six fights. Just since Fightful launched last year, here is Ray Borg's history and the controversy in giving him the fight. Last July, he was scheduled to face Freddie Serrano, pulled out uh, nine days before due to an injury. He told me that he didn't have a bout agreement for that, but the fight had been widely reported. He was then scheduled about six weeks later to face Ian McCall at UFC 203. He pulled out three days before, citing an illness. Uh, before this, I think it was August 2015, he missed weight en route to beating Gene Herrera in Nashville on a UFC show. Uh, fast forward, uh, sorry to jump around, but December 30th last year, he faced Luis Smoka. He missed weight by three and a half pounds while he beat him. That's, you know, that, that that happens, unfortunately. That's four times. That's four out of his last six scheduled fights that this has happened. Then last week, he's pulled from the fight, citing an illness uh, by a UFC doctor. Mm -hmm. Tyron Woodley was asked at weigh-ins, should Ray Borg be given another chance? Should Mighty Mouse wait for him? And Tyron Woodley said, well, if he were a repeat offender, I would say no. So I corrected Tyron on, on Twitter, and I just said, he has pulled out of five of his last seven fights or missed weight. And Tyron Woodley took it very well. He said, why aren't you in my ear giving me stats? And Ray Borg went off, Jimmy. Yes, he did. Yes, he, he did. He went off. He challenged me to go through a fight camp. Yeah. <laughs> well, the good news is, is you'd probably never miss a day if you did the fight camp. That's the difference, That's right? That's true. I don't miss days. Whereas he'd probably miss, like, you know, one, two days a week based on his history. So, so more I, than that, I, I saw I this Twitter for the podcast aired. I said, "What if I had missed five podcasts in this time?" Here's the thing: I've not missed five podcasts in general, let alone <laughs> the ones I do with you. And that was part of the thing. He's like, "How about I come do your job and you do my job?" And I was like, "Man, I've cut weight before, and I've made weight every time. And the one time I had a struggle with my weight, I moved up, and right. I've never had those. I've not." My kidneys haven't almost shut down since then. Now, am I cutting weight the level he is? Hell no. Am I competing at the level he is? Hell no. But five out of seven times, you don't think there's a problem there? You're pointing the finger at a reporter instead of yourself or whatever it is. His nutritionist came out and issued a statement, and he immediately fired his nutritionist. Yeah, I heard about that. heard about that. I mean, to your, to your credit, you don't miss a podcast even when I beg and plead you to not show up. That's true. So that's that's the difference between you and Ray Borg. Well, I just pop up in Toronto. You you try to do shows without me, and I show up at your office in the in the delivery room of a woman that's not my wife. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean, you do. hey, I even showed up at your office <laughs> on my scheduled day off of the vacation. 
True, true. You did. Yeah, I think you were. I think you were looking for a free lunch or something. That's probably why you showed up that day. <laughs> I was. I was. But uh, no, I, I saw this Twitter exchange and I thought, only fucking Sean Ross out. Now he's got UFC fighters mad at him. But you're right. Tyron Woodley did uh, did give you props on that, so that was I a always have UFC fighters mad at me. It's a part of the gig, unfortunately. I've been challenged to fights. I've been uh, have pe- I've had people threaten to beat me up. I've had you know Cyborg go off on of me more times than I can count. But mm. I mean, who deleted their tweets as it pertains to that situation? Yes, yeah, so I heard Rayborg. You told me he deleted them. It wasn't me, thankfully. Uh, I think it's Susan Singari had done the old manual RT there. And saved some of them, and I was able to put them in a story. But hey, man, I wish Ray Borg luck. I don't want him to miss weight. I don't want him to lose money. But I mean, when when stuff like this happens with wrestlers too, like something doesn't go their way, and they like to point the finger at somebody else. And right. I'm big on accountability. Sometimes you just screw up. Screwing up five times in two years out of seven fights—that's an awful lot. I agree. But, I agree. But you know, yeah. Hey, so, uh, Mighty uh, Mouse is going to beat him next month anyway. I'm sure he will. So uh, you're the traveling man this week again. You're on the road again this week. I don't like it, but I am. um, I'm ready to not travel anymore. This is the most I've traveled in my life, and that wasn't by design. It's only been Um, twice in, like, what, uh, three months or something? To San Antonio. I I did a weekend trip to Indianapolis for some some stuff, too. Uh, You know, I've been back and forth between... Uh, Cincinnati, Tennessee, Lexington, stuff like that, but ready to calm it down. Although I will say, Jimmy, uh, you know, this, this hurricane put a big wrench into a lot of the plants. It's going to be raining every day I'm there, which now, is a bummer. Truth be told, you're going to Orlando because you yourself are dying to go to Harry Potter World. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why you're hey, going. You know what it's like. Nigel, i got to get you a mic next week, man. we got to get you a mic next week. You know what it's like for me to wake up at like seven or eight a.m. Like, I can't, I, I can't get you at ten thirty. So <laughs> yes, I don't know what you're talking about, Tevin or seven come or eight a.m. Ten thirty. I don't know how many times but, I'm like, Jesus, Sean's not answering me, Alex isn't answering me. What the fuck am I paying you people for? Twice, twice. But anyway, <laughs> I told my wife we'll get up, we'll go to Harry Potter World, good and early Friday before it rains. Whatever, I'll do it. But uh, the one good thing is I get to go to those NXT tapings Thursday, and yes. my wife loves NXT, so that's kind of cool, but it's it's a bummer that, uh, that it's going to rain every day, but I, I thought if the airlines weren't going to let us go to Orlando, I was just going to fly up to Toronto for the weekend again. That'd be cool by me, man. I've got stuff to do family-wise. You'd be on your own, but you could come up to Toronto. No, you don't. No, you don't. I wouldn't be able to go to Gatorland in Orlando, so you would have, like, Nicola and... Uh, and and uh, Vatura dress up as alligators and like just run around the office and it'd be like a, a personal Gatorland tour on I the know, weekend. I know what you had planned on the I know, weekend. I know you were thinking about it. Oh you yes, I was there. thinking about it. I was. And th- you're talking about on a weekend. They would they would like take their their alligator. I'm sure it'd be like some sort of mascot outfit, and uh-huh. they would eat James Ellsworth's like cardboard cutout body, and it would be like. The gators attacking a hog. It was. It'd be great. I know. I know your plans. Uh-huh. Just leave the cats out of it. So let's move on and talk about the Mayon Classic. Yeah, I guess there's some wrestling stuff to talk. About. I, I. So I actually watched it live. Normally, I've been watching the the, the different rounds on tape, but I watched it live. And uh, what did you think? So so 
I gotta admit, at first I was surprised that Kyrie Sane won because I fully expected Shayna was gonna win and it was gonna lead to a four on four with the uh, horsewomen from MMA and horsewomen from wrestling because they were all there. And that's what I thought was gonna happen. And I even thought after Kyrie Sane won and uh, Shayna hugged her and all that, I was waiting for Shayna to attack her, leading to the wrestling horsewomen running in and then creating a schmoz. None of that happened. Uh, but then when it was announced that Kyrie Sane's going to be getting a shot at the NXT women's title, made more sense because I think that at least in the short term, Shane is going to bypass NXT, go to the main roster in order for, to do the uh, Survivor Series thing. But what did you think of the outcome of the match, of the whole situation? Well, I mean, you know, it's because of where she's from, Kyrie Sane got a lot of comparisons to Asuka, and I don't think she's anywhere near no, that level. very like, different. Asuka is... You really see how good Asuka is when you watch this tournament. Uh, as as it pertains to the horsewomen and all that stuff, I think the right woman won. And I didn't think it was like a great match or anything. I thought it was a good match, solid match. On my match analysis, I gave it a 6 out of 10. You all can check that out at Fightful.com. I like the way that Shayna works because that's the way I was brought up to work. That's the way that I learned. And she didn't give Kyrie Sane a damn thing. She's like, right. if you want it, you got to take it. You got to make them believe that this is going to hurt me, and I think giving this, given the size difference and her background, great call, good idea to have like Beth Phoenix and Summer Rae and Asuka and mm -hmm. Ronda Rousey there. Mm -hmm. It was cool. The night felt big. The the whole night did. They WWE did an awesome job at promoting this SmackDown, promoting the return of Vince McMahon, mm -hmm. promoting the May Young Classic, and uh, I still got to watch 205 Live. But all in all. It felt like a like a I don't want to say a pay per view night, but like maybe just one little notch below it, and that was really cool to have on a Tuesday when SmackDown has such a gap between their pay per views. So the one thing that I uh, questioned was the attendance, because mm -hmm. uh, I read a couple of reports saying that they moved people down, and then there was a photo somebody posted on Twitter of Ronda Rousey, and it was a, a side shot of her so that you could see the hard camera side behind her, mm -hmm. and it was empty. And yeah, so, they, they're not doing good good numbers. Well, I questioned. Uh, so I, I questioned, was it like that the entire SmackDown show, or did people leave after SmackDown? And uh, there was a guy on Twitter that posted that photo, and I asked him, and he hasn't responded. But uh, clearly that's not a good sign. I, I will say this about the match itself. I like the storytelling of the match. I like that uh, Kyrie Sane is this kind of much smaller, more quick woman that injured the ribs coming off the ropes with that spear. I don't know what she calls it, but it's essentially a spear. And that was her way to get the victory, was going after the ribs, and the elbow drop hit the ribs too. So I like the story they told. Um, like you said, I didn't think it was a great match by any means, but uh, I like the story they told. I think that Shayna can do really well on the main roster in terms of her character. Yeah. Uh, and I think you were talking last night, might have been to Jeff about DeVille in NXT. Yeah. Uh, good luck to her, because like you said, it's pretty much the exact same thing. Yeah, but. well, the, the benefit for Sonya Deville is, one, she's really, really well-liked at Full Sail, from what I've been told. And she, she turns 24 this month, and that's a, that's a good, good age to be at that performance center right now, especially with women working much older, because we've talked about this before, Jimmy. Right. There were a few years ago when A.J. Lee, Caitlin, uh, Maurice, the Bellas, they were getting out before 30. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because they, they knew what WWE d did to a lot of women once they hit that age, they would just kind of dispose of them anyway. But uh, Sonya Deville also does have a legit MMA background. I would love to see some incorporation of her. 
there are some things that she does that I'm like, yeah, that doesn't necessarily look good. But then there are things like I go to live events and I see Sonya Deville. She throws some of the best strikes in WWE. Period. Not like NXT. Mm-hmm. Just period. She picks. She's picked some things up. So I don't think she's dead in the water per se. But I, I know that um, even I know that Shayna Baszler thinks highly of Sonya Deville from what I've been told at least too. So right, that's good too. Well, I was surprised they didn't do anything with the with the Four Horsemen deal, especially since Ronda was there, and I think they had announced Ronda was going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it seems like they're still targeting Survivor Series for the four on four. So, I guess they're going to wait till SmackDown, maybe until after what's the next pay per Hell in a Cell. Maybe they'll wait until after that to set something up. Sure, that would make sense. Uh, I, I mean, it was funny because when that happened, when when I broke the news of Ronda Rousey training pro wrestling, they didn't know what they were going to do yet. They had filmed some stuff. In case, but apparently Ronda took to it well, and so have the other girls. So I was going to talk about this later, but since you listen, let's go into it right now. So um, her personal photographer, Ronda Rousey's personal photographer, I saw he was there last night at the show. Yes. His name is Michael Mardonis. People will know him as Lazy the Savage if they know him. There you go, Lazy the Savage. So he posted a picture on Instagram of Ronda in the ring at Brian Kendrick's school. Uh, and you said you could tell it was Brian Kendricks because of the tape on the ropes. Yeah, they candy cane the ropes there. You can see it on Total Divas. You can see it on a lot of the photos of Jessamine and Shayna that train there. Right. And uh, Lazy had geotagged them at the Santino Brothers Wrestling School. That that photo of Rousey was taken before I even broke the news of her training. So for all I know, maybe she was there one day and never went back uh, in – has just been doing stuff in her living room, but I know that uh, she has been preparing for this run. And like I told Joe, these girls are in a good situation because Jessamine Duke and Marina Shafir had trained with Josh Barnett for the last couple of years. They ditched Edmund and headed over there, and they would learned to take bumps and everything like that. And Ronda Rousey's offensive style, judo, mm-hmm. she's going to be able to throw in some things that people have never seen before in pro wrestling Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. things that are second nature to her like remember when she pulled out that arm bar on Kat Zingano and nobody in the UFC had ever done it or really trained it before yeah she'll be able to whip some things out that that we've never seen before and that's that's pretty cool so I have to ask you since uh what's what you call him lazy savage lazy the savage lazy the savage so so since lazy the savage posted a picture of Ronda Rousey in Brian Kendrick's school. I got to ask you. No, I can't. No, 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 no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me, let, me, let me finish my thought. So there are rumors, Sean. There are rumors that you have pictures uh, of Ronda Rousey at Brian Kendrick's school. There are rumors that I have seen them. And uh, I'm curious now, Lazy the Savage, you know? N- neither, neither of those are true. Neither um, of those are true. Okay. Neither okay. of those are true. Uh, I want to read you a quote. Uh, again, uh, speaking of Ronda Rousey, I want to read you a quote. And this was Sasha Banks talking to Sam Roberts on his podcast about the four horsewomen of MMA, Ronda Rousey and Shane and the others. And this is Sasha Banks saying, they need to get in the back of the line like everybody else. Get a contract, train down at the Performance Center, get on NXT, and try to get called up just like everybody else. Good. She she's, can't be serious, especially with Ronda Rousey, right? She's not maybe serious. She's, maybe she's not. Maybe she's just... Hype in the match. Right, right. Central match. Yeah. I hope so, because I well, saw that. Well, that's a good thing with Sasha interviews is a lot of times you can't tell. Right. Like, she's very good at that, at, like, make it, like, veiling whether or not she's really angry about something. Right. So I, I like that. I can appreciate about that about her. 
Now, uh, this next topic is MMA related, but I want to talk about it because it could relate to pro wrestling in terms of WWE has a wellness policy. Granted, it's not as strict as USADA, but they have a wellness policy. And it looks like Mr. John Jones uh, thought that he found a, a way around the USADA drug testing. This is the speculation. Uh, and he got caught. So I want to talk about it briefly. So uh, John Jones, the B sample from his Daniel Cormier fight, came back positive for the same drug, Turinabol. Uh, and he could get up to four years on a suspension. What do you think? Do you think he intentionally did it? Do you think it was a tainted drug? What do you think? Uh, it, it's tough for me because I used to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Now I give nobody the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. It's hard for me to believe that he would be so dumb as to do that after what he just came back from. Do you think it could so, be arrogance and not stupidity? It could be. Sure, yeah. it could be, but I'm not leaning towards that. I'm leaning towards the tainted supplement thing. That being said, it wouldn't surprise me if if that weren't the case. Now, here's the big difference Jimmy and last year and this year last year he was popped before he had the chance to fill out his paperwork for the commission this year he went through the fight he had to disclose every supplement everything that went into his body in that form right um, on a document right and if that's not on there he shit out of luck so if, here if that tainted supplement quote unquote isn't on there he shit out of luck so the reason that I wanted to talk about this, even though it's not wrestling related, is that, again, WWE has a wellness policy. A few guys have been popped. Uh, Randy Orton, I believe, has been popped twice. And supposed mm -hmm. to be three-structure out. Supposed to be. Uh, so that's, this is why I want to talk about this. So this particular drug called Turinabol, there was a guy named Luke Bernardi, and he was on the Holy Smokes podcast this week with you and Joe. He's an expert in nutrition, and he knows all about you know PEDs and all that stuff. He's, he's an expert on all of that. He said Turinabol has a half-life of four to six hours. Yeah. What, the, what that means is that within four to six hours after you take it, half of it's out of your system already. Uh, and he also said that Turinabol isn't produced by any supplement companies. And yes, so, it's, it's not produced for human or veterinary use anymore. Right. And so what, like he's, what he said was if John Jones were to claim it's a tainted supplement, that's going to be false. Uh, Luke Bernardi said if anything, it'd be a tainted drug, not a tainted supplement because supplement companies don't touch Turinabol. And so that tells me that either he did it knowingly, thinking that it gets out of your system fast and, and he thought he could get around it, or it was a non-supplement drug, whether it was uh, a sexual enhancement again, whether it was a recreational drug. In any case, uh, you know, when he got popped the first time or, or the, the first sample, and everybody thought, oh, no, 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 it's a mistake, and his team was saying, we think he was set up. I think it was intentional. I think that he was arrogant enough to think he'd be out of his system, uh, and I think he's going to pay the price this time. Yep. It certainly seems like it. I, I, the tainted supplement defense is coming. That's just that's what's going to happen. The B sample didn't really mean a lot. The B sample was always going to come back negative, but Positively. what this means is now they can make the fight a no contest, which they did, and John Jones can start his process in trying to to get this overturned or make his argument or whatever. Now, the big question is what happens to the UFC light heavyweight title? I think the title goes back to Daniel Cormier. Uh, yeah, based on precedence, and the the short precedence is last, or I think it was a couple years ago, Tanya Evander, the Invicta Bantamweight champion, lost a fight because a ref in the middle of the fight told her she wasn't allowed to place her foot on her opponent's face 
to defend a submission. She actually was. After she had to move her foot, she got <laughs> submitted. Damn, Jimmy! Sorry. Felt that coming for a while. I could not, I couldn't, I tried to fight it, Sean. I tried to fight it. Well, well, she got the fight overturned, and the title was returned to her. So, I mean, that's the precedence. If you didn't lose the fight, technically, yeah. that, ha that you defended your title in, you get the title back. And I don't think it's bad for Cormier, Jimmy, because... The people that like him are going to stand by him no matter what because of this situation. The people that hate him are going to really hate him for getting this title back now. You're right, but I also think that a lot of people that hated him thought that John Jones was the true champion. And I think a lot of those people now are going to look at and say, maybe he cheated every time. Maybe, maybe that entire winning streak over all those big names, he was on BEDs the entire time. And this is going to follow Jones around for the rest of his career. I think that Cormier is going to come off better regardless. Yeah. Um, because I, I just want to have him on our show. That's, I just want to have him on our show to talk about nothing MMA related. We will uh, We'll see what happens. Keep that on the down low. Keep it on the down low. Keep it on the down low. Let's put it out there. I, no, we're not going to put it out there. I, uh, I want to talk about Global Force, but it's going to be longer than a couple minutes. So... Uh, why don't you? So, so, oh boy, oh boy, really? Well, speaking of Global Force, they used to be known as Total Nonstop Action Wrestling, and I spoke to Diamond Dallas Page recently, and I gotta admit, guys, this is our last of the DDP cycle. So, what I want you all to do is go tell DDP on Twitter that you want him to talk to Sean Ross Sapp again, because I have far too much to talk to him about. And I, I love it. I ha we got like what eight stories out of him. Yeah, quite Jimmy. a bit. Yeah, yeah. And I asked him about his TNA run, how he decided to show up, or how he decided to come in uh, when he left. Also, we talked Monty Brown, and we talked about his crew helping out uh, Chris Jericho. Take a listen. So high five. So another thing I've always been fascinated with was was your TNA run. You spent about six months there. How did that come about? Like, did you reach out to them? Did they reach out to you? And what were the plans? Well, coming in, you know, Jeff uh, Jeff was in control at that time, and um, you know, he wanted that. He knew that me and him had some good matches, and I was a name brand, and that coming in, it would help them get the TV that they wanted because back then they had no TV. You know, um, it wasn't like they had Spike or any of that back then. Um, they were looking to say, look, we have these main event stars. We should get a bigger TV thing. So it was really to help them. The money was good. I only had to work, you know, a couple, I think it was, um, was it, let's see, it would do tube shows. I only had to work twice a month. Sometimes I'd work five days in a month, but it went down to like two days. So it was really easy on my body. And coming in, you know, for me, it was like, if we're going to do this, Jeff, let's do some angles that lead up to it. So by the time we get together, you know, I've been made here in the company. And when you beat me, you know, it, it means more. And he was like, absolutely. And I loved working with Raven again, because Raven, like to me, Raven was a top guy. I, you know, I never didn't see Scotty as a top guy. You know, just like I saw Benoit in Eddie. You know, I knew those guys were top guys. I knew at one point Jericho 
you know, who ends up being bigger than everybody. You know, uh, I knew those guys would be top guys. Chris wasn't there yet, but he was on his way, you know, and look at what happened with his career, man. I mean, I don't know. You really think about it. Chris is one of the most decorated guys ever in, in what we did. You also worked with Monty Brown quite a bit there. He was looked at by a lot of people as a guy that TNA kind of dropped the ball on because they, they kind of just let him go. And he seemed like he was putting it all together. What did you think of, of Monty Brown at that time? I thought Monty Brown was a star years before he got there. I brought Bishop. It was at the end, though, but because if it would have been in the middle of my run when I helped over 30 guys get jobs – um, Monty would have been part of the crew if he had got to me earlier. You know, um, I loved his look back when he had the dreads and stuff. Uh, I mean, talk about an athlete. I mean, he was, you know, he was as good an athlete as you could get. He just needed experience in the ring. And I thought that, uh, you know, I thought that he should have been, like when people say to me, who do you think should have made it who didn't really get to that spot? Monty would be one of those guys. And it really comes down to how the company uses you too, you know? So, you know, whoever dropped the ball there, he was a top, he was, he was a guy who could have been a main event dude and God, his energy and his natural charisma, again, could have been a, you know, if I just got with him like in 96 or 97, I think it would have been a whole different world for Monty. So what led to your, your exit from TNA? Um, I, I wasn't there for any real time. And at that time, they weren't doing anything better with the money. And, again, I, did, like I was 49, you know, and I wanted to come back and say, hey, look what the guy can do at 49 years old. It's not the same guy I was at 45 or 44 or 43, you know, just like you see Chris Jericho, you know, he just took a sabbatical to run with Fozzie, but Chris blew his back out at 40 years old. I mean, he talks about it all the time because it's true. You know, he was back in the ring in three months. So, you know, just wanting to show, I think Chris Jericho can probably wrestle. If he keeps doing what he's doing, where he takes that time off, but he's not like sitting at home. He's running all over the stage, jumping off drum risers. I mean, he's everywhere. Even, you know, even he's, when he's not on TV, I mean, he's, he's wrestling this weekend. Right, and he's still doing the shows in yeah. between, and he gets a great payoff, and he's not playing with his band that night, which, by the way, did you see the video, Judas? Have you seen it? You know who filmed that, produced it, directed it? My crew. That's Wow. That is a DDP production center video. My guys directed it, shot it, and edited all in eight hours. I think that's his best song and video. Amazing. I mean, I think the song is killer without question. I, I, I love it. I put it on my playlist when I'm actually working out with people and stuff because I think it's an awesome song. Um, but uh, – the video is amazing. And that was Chris's idea. But um, uh, Nathan Mowry, one of my guys who's, you know, he's actually also directing an, another new movie, a new documentary that we're coming out with. And the, um, the documentary is a entrepreneurial 
inspirational movie. And it's about how DDP yoga happened and all the trials and tribulations and the second guessing and all the things along the road. And it really just shows you that, you know, like it's got a lot of heartstrings in it because it was really passionately put together and everything. But that's something, I don't know where it's going to come out, but we're really close on it. And the same guy who directed, uh, who directed, um, um, Jericho's video is the same guy who's been directing this uh, documentary. DDP was such a unique, different type of character in WCW. He's one of the few people that, like you, you would always hear on WWE documentaries, like nobody got over during that whole Monday Nitro. Like they didn't make a new star outside of Goldberg during that run. I, I would disagree. DDP became a huge one. He was one of those that, and really not a likely one either, given his age. But like he was just a little bit different. Like you know, he had the diamond logo, and he mm-hmm. would have the purple and stuff like that. He was just a little bit different, and I think that's really what what uh, they needed. Plus, he had a wealth of experience outside the ring too. So, uh, hoping we get to speak to DDP more because damn, that was that filming was a lot of fun. Like. I had just messaged DDP the day before, and he's like, yeah, sure, I'll get at you this weekend. Mm-hmm. And I had a Saturday, quiet Saturday afternoon, and he's like, all right, monkey, let's do this thing. <laughs> like, okay. That's nice, man. So it was just you and your cat sitting around, and then DDP uh, jumped on an interview with you. That's good. Pretty so, much gave uh, me an hour. Gave me an hour, so now in the future we're going to release that whole, uh, the whole filming on a quiet weekend, I'm sure. There you go. So he, you know, he said one thing that is true. He said that Chris Jericho could wrestle for a long time if he chooses to, given his schedule. Uh, we talked about this before a little bit, but I, I think that as Triple H gets more and more stroke in WWE, I think we're going to see more guys get those part-time offers because they are, you know, I, I disagree when the company said on, a, I think they said at a conference that they're no longer in the live events business. They said they're a content business. Uh, they're still in the live events business, but they are also obviously a major content business. And so if you can get guys on a part-time schedule, meaning that you have these established names on your TV show, it makes sense. Uh, obviously, the guys on the road full-time aren't going to like it, but it is what it is. It's, it's business and it's money, and no one's putting a gun to their head to be there. So I think it's going to happen more often. I, I do too, and I think it should, because especially with, with their touring schedule, Right. Like, they're going to India. Raw right. is going to India this December, and people are questioning, well, Jinder, be on the tour. Yeah, Jinder's going to be absolutely, on the tour. Absolutely, absolutely. And if I were them, I'd have the Singh brothers wrestling, not mm-hmm. managing, wrestling. I would have Kavita Devai from uh, the Mae Young Classic working mm-hmm. a squash match on the show. Mm-hmm. I would have, like, you can really utilize, like, they would bring up Asuka for main, and Shinsuke Nakamura for main roster Japanese tours. I think that's very smart. It's a good idea. And you can bring back occasionally part-time people to do stuff like this. Chris Jericho worked one single match a couple months ago, and it was a great moment. It was a good surprise, and he put people over. So I, I love the idea of doing that. There are a lot of people that are like, but you know what? They're not here full-time, so what's the point? <laughs> You know, sorry. Sorry, is is it, is it AJ? Is it AJ Styles that's saying that? Because that's <laughs> AJ Styles will eventually be one of those guys that will. I think he'll eventually work the Shawn Michaels schedule, and he'll still be able to deliver. 
But hey, guys, if Conor McGregor came up to Fightful and said, listen, I'll write for you, but it's going to be once every two or three months. Sorry, David Tees. Sorry, Carlos Toro. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let the guy write for us. And you know what? Neither of those three guys would complain about it either. No, I mean, uh, the MSG show, it was a SmackDown show. They brought Brock in. It's, it's, it's really no different. Ginger's absolutely going to work that show. So it doesn't also, make a difference. Uh, Kyler James brought up a good point. Maybe Kali for those shows now too. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. Now, uh, question for you. So I, I've, you know, in the past I've done research about the Indian live event market and wrestling. When Ginger was made champion, we talked about the Indian market, and a lot of the Indian shows are typically sold shows because there's a lot of corruption when it comes to ticket brokering and stuff like that. I noticed the, I noticed both of these shows that they're going to be on a Friday and a Saturday in the same venue back to back. So are they sold shows? I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna look into it. So okay. Okay. I'll find out. I assume they are. When I saw there, it's the same venue. But uh, let's talk about your favorite promotion, Global Force Wrestling. I'm not, you say that like I hate it or something. I don't hate it. I know we we just we we make fun of it sometimes because of just a lot of poor decision making. But there there there's some good content on their show right now. I'm really liking the MMA uh, pro wrestling integration they have there. That's that's pretty good. But I will say this, I'm going to start waiting. I, see, I hate to wait to watch their show, mm-hmm. like 10 days when it'll be on their network. But I hate watching, I hate turning on my TV that I saved up and spent money on, a very nice TV, and getting standard definition programming in 2017 that looks even worse on a 4K TV. So it's really bad. It's poor quality. So. Mm. I'll, I'll be happier when I can watch this stuff in HD. They used to send your boy some screeners, and I used to watch it that way. I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I want to talk about uh, the thing you just talked about and some other things. So they announced on September 6th, which is the same day that the Jeff Jarrett news came out, uh, that they are launching a multi-platform digital service, essentially an over-the-top service, uh, featuring their video archives. They are hoping to feature content from other promotions, like AAA and, and uh, NOAA in Japan. And there's going to be a free one-month trial as well as a free tier where users in North America can get the latest Impact episodes 10 days after they air on Pop TV. The suggested price is $7.99 a month. Um, what are your thoughts on them launching the service? That's the first question. Launching the service, why not? But there, it's, you know, this is such a multi-layered situation. Putting Impact on for people to watch for free good idea if you got a barter deal who gives a shit anyway it's worked out for the people that know about it it worked out well for for ring of honor because they aren't in a lot of markets Mm -hmm. but and i don't know if they still do because i I get their show on direct tv but they would put their show up a week later on their website and people got to watch it that way now ring of honor was in a much different situation because who do they have to answer to they're owned by a broadcast company so it's like they the broadcast company is going to do whatever is best for Ring of Honor because whatever's best for Ring of Honor is best for the broadcast company. Putting it up online, great move. I like that. People don't have an excuse to watch it or not to watch it now. The network, it's an okay idea in theory. In theory. But as I listen to Ed Nordholm talk to Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez, oh boy, did I... Did I get that he had a warped perception of things? 
Uh, I don't think he does. Well, maybe he does. I, I think he was saying what he felt he should say. Uh, but we'll get that to, to that in a second. Say, so I, saying saying that he drew the short, short straw is what he should have oh, said. Oh, that that was really bad, and that was him uh, improvising, and yeah, that was really bad. But uh, yeah, I I mean, you tell everybody all the time that you drew the short straw when you got me. <laughs> right? I only I only had two or three straws to choose from, Sean. But uh, <laughs> so uh, so this this OTT service, I so. I listened to the uh, Wrestling Observer interview with Ed Nordholm. I heard him talk about the service. The first thing that I will say impressed me about Ed Nordholm, and I'm not impressed about most things, but one thing that impressed me was he clearly knows everything about the GFW product. Like, they didn't stump him on anything. He had answers to everything. He knew uh, intricate details like like the monthly price, and he knew about the different tiers of the service. He knew everything about the product, so I give him props for that. Um... But I see them having zero chance of making money with this service. Zero chance. Uh, they've already proven that their pay-per-views don't sell because nobody even knows they exist, really. That's number one. Number two, their free television show does, like, what, 250,000 viewers in the U.S. on Pop TV. Their YouTube views aren't that good. I, I, looked, at the, I looked at their YouTube channel, and on average in a week... Most of their uh, most of the YouTube videos don't even crack 100,000 views. Most of them, and a lot yeah. of them, a lot of them have 3,000, 5,000, 7,000, 10,000 views, and that's free content on YouTube. They are they're not going to make a dime on, on this thing. And and uh, to his credit, Brian Alvarez said in Ed Nordholm because they understand what you got to do to make money on a on a over the top service. They said, "Are you going to have any live content?" Mm-hmm. And he kind of made it clear, at least to start, it's going to be their video archive. They're not going to make a dime on that thing. I mean, WWE Network, which is... Their, their entire video archive is on YouTube right now. Well, that's part of the problem. But, but WWE, which is clearly a, you know, a thousand times larger than Global Force Wrestling, they have a, a much, much more broad audience around the world. They rely on their live content to do most of their viewership on the network. Their pay-per-views, right. their pay-per-views do most of it. I, they're not going to make any money with this thing. Um... As you said, the whole thing about drawing the short straw, that was a really bad thing for him to say in that interview. Um, I, I agree with them that selling the uh, the archive to WWE as opposed to trying to make something of it on their own first, I don't blame them for doing that. Yeah, but, they got a network. Um, yeah, but I, I, I just don't see them making any money. And I think ultimately the only company in, in existence that can monetize that archive is WWE. I don't think any other company would be able to make money with that archive. But uh, WWE can, and I think eventually, I think eventually, it's going to end up in their hands. I don't think there's going to be any other outcome. Um, one other thing I want to say about Ed Norholm's interview, he said that they, he, he basically downplayed their losses, and he said we went in understanding that you know we're going to be at a loss, and that our goal is to break even. You and I spoke about how going into a venture when you're already millions in the hole is a very questionable decision. But there's no chance. That was in January. There's no chance that they thought that by September they were still going to be bleeding to the tune of millions of dollars. I think there's no chance they thought that. I think that they thought, not knowing the wrestling business, that they were going to cut costs. Because he even said the way that you profit uh, is by increasing revenues and cutting costs. That's what he said, yeah. right? I think he thought we're going, to, we're going to come in here. They have a lot of extra costs. We're going to cut the costs. We're going to be break even in six months. And that's what I think they thought. And... Uh, Good luck to him, so, man. 
oh man, this this situation. He indicated that, like, he was really hinting. Oh, I've I've talked to Joe Coff of Ring of Honor, and I would love to work with New Japan. Why? Why would they? Why would they? First off, Global Force has a partnership with AAA, and I guarantee you, New Japan values their relationship with their their Mexican relationship much more than they would a Global Force partnership. Yeah, but Global Force also has a relationship with NOAA. So yeah. why why would New Japan want to have anything to do with that at all? Yeah, exa- well, and that's the thing Ed Nordholm said. You can't just come in and ruin pre-existing relationships, and that's true. But why why would like Ring of Honor or New Japan want to be part of this service? New Japan has a service. They wouldn't. And whatever money that they could make by being on Global Forces service, they could put into creating a fully functioning English service. Yeah. That yeah. would probably honestly draw more. It's, you know, in theory, and he said that he wants it to become a thing where, like, everything else in wrestling is on this service. Like, not just TNA, Global Force, Impact. He wants, and I'm just throwing stuff out there, like Rockstar Pro or Progress or something. He wants to be Flow Slam. Exactly right. He wants to be Flow Slam. And, and Flow Slam ain't working. No, no. And 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 again, you and I spoke about Flow Slam when it when it started. And uh, at the time, I was pretty clear in thinking it wasn't going to make money because I just didn't see the audience. I didn't see a paying audience that was going to want that content. It's going to be very difficult. And and one other thing I want to say, and I understand that Global Force is is kind of our whipping boy sometimes. Uh, okay, a lot, but. They make so many poor decisions that they deserve the criticism. And you know when they were doing the weekly conference calls and it was really glitchy because they're using a free still, conference call service? Do, yeah. Right? Which is stupid. Now, on top of everything else and all the bad decisions that they've made, did you hear what happened with the, uh, the beta testing of the streaming service? No. They didn't put it behind a beta wall. No. Oh. That means that last night, we're, 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 we're doing this on September 13th, Wednesday, September 13th. Last night, Tuesday the 12th, they started beta testing the service. They put it live in beta mode, meaning that if anybody, Nigel's laughing, just thinking about it, that means that anybody that happened to be checking it out was able to access the content. And, and apparently somebody within the company, they noticed all of this bandwidth, mm-hmm. and then they figured out, oh shit, this thing's live. I just want to say, of course they would start beta testing on a service they've advertised as releasing like next week. Well, no, like, you, you have to beta test. Well, I get you saying I, they should have done it weeks ago, yeah. Yes, yeah. Weeks, yeah. weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks ago. It is honestly stuff that we discuss and that we bounce off of five or six different people is in testing for weeks before we send yeah. it. Yeah, and it's behind, a, it's behind a secure beta wall where you need a login in order to access it. Yeah. And, and I'm going to go ahead and guess that Anthem has a, a bigger dev team than we do. I would hope. How is it possible that whoever is managing that doesn't realize that their beta system is not behind any kind of a secure wall and that any Joe Blow can start watching the content? Isn't that mind-blowing? And, and it's funny, it is. When, you, when you hear about all of the mistakes they've made, whether it be advertising the uh, Global Force rebrand without having a, a deal signed, sealed, and delivered all the mistakes that they've made, and then they went and do this on top of it, this is why they get criticism and they deserve the criticism. Because it's just been mistake after mistake. You know what I don't understand? Like, I really don't understand. First off, them buying the company. It had to be library motivated. Because as I look at this, I'm like, why did they buy 
impact TNA for if not for anything else. Mm. Because look at the roster turnover. You you kept Eli Drake, EC3, James Storm, and a few other guys. That's really it. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, most of this, if you would have went just straight up to Jeff Jarrett and said, hey, let's buy Global Force Wrestling and make that work up here and we'll do this network thing and all this stuff, I don't know that it would have been – it probably would have been less financially stupid to do that than what they're doing now because the roster resembles nothing what they bought. I think the that TV they – deal is a barter deal. Yeah. It's it's weird to me. It's just very very odd to me. I think if they had gone to Jeff Jarrett out of the gate saying you know forget about TNA at the time we want to buy, buy Global Force. If you have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand, and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, (laughs) I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Jared knew there was a salaried position in it. He would have given them the brand for a bag of Doritos. Yeah, probably. I mean, because it, it, it wasn't worth anything, right? So whatever, it is what it is. One other thing, uh, and, and, and this quote to me was indicative of one of TNA's long-standing problems. And this goes beyond Anthem. This goes uh, even beyond Dixie Carter's tenure, really, although she made it worse. So they did their weekly uh, conference call yesterday, and it, it featured John uh, Gabarik, who's the new, uh, what is he, head of talent relations again, part of creative. And he was asked about Alberto coming back at Bound for Glory on November 5th, which is something that Ed Nordholm had mentioned on uh, Dave Meltzer's podcast and John said and this is a direct quote we have plans for Alberto we're excited that he's going to be coming back at Bound for Glory um, so two points the first point is I'm sure Alberto's doesn't come cheap right do you think given their ratings do you think given where the company is at that he's even worth it worth the money that's my first question well I'll really have to see what their numbers are after all this because that's going to be the real indicator but no, I, I off so. the top of my head, like I don't know that there's one difference maker. Uh, the Hardys were to a degree, mm-hmm. and I, you know there are people that are like, oh, they popped a rating one time. Well, you know the geniuses at TNA also didn't go on the road with the Hardys, which is where their real value is, is at live events, uh, especially in the Southeast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they didn't really capitalize on what they had there. I'll have to see what the ratings are. I don't see him popping anything, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe like he's got this loyal fan base that I just don't know about. But I don't see I don't it. See it. Uh, the other issue, uh, and again, this goes back to, to previous tenures. 
Did you see the press release when they announced the OTT service? Yeah, we ran it on uh, Fightful. Okay, so did you notice the names that they mentioned as far as who you could watch in the video archive if you if you ordered the service? Bunch of WWE guys, wasn't it? It was mostly WWE guys. They mostly mentioned Hogan and Sting and uh, I think maybe AJ Styles, Bobby Roode, Samoa Joe. Guys that are known by for being in WWE or they're known from WWE. And now they're focusing on Alberto. And this has been the long-standing problem going back years and years is that essentially WWE cast-offs become the focal point of their show uh, when fans have kind of been programmed to look at them as cast-offs, right? And I yeah. think that's a mistake. They have, they have plenty of, of homegrown talent that they could build around. They don't need to be focusing on guys that left WWE, and I, I think it's a mistake. I love EC3. I love Eli Drake. I think Eli Drake is a guy that WWE would want if they, they had their chance now. They, they had him before, but he uh, really, really evolved and just just changed his career and became really good. Lashley is a good one. Even though he was a WWE cast-off, he's, like, he's doing his best work now, 10 years after he left. Like He was different, too, because he didn't go in immediately, I don't think, right? He, I think true, he left yeah. to pursue MMA. Yeah, so. yeah years later. We'll see what happens. Good good luck to them. Uh, let's move on, uh, Nigel, to the stupid people. All right. Woo! <laughs> this is a stupid song. It just goes on and on. You might find some meaning, but you would be wrong. So once again, uh, thanks to Trevor Strong for the usage of that song, trevorstrong.org. Got some good ones for you, Sean. I'm always looking for good ones. And I told you, I'm always looking for certain content related to those good ones. And, uh, and I got a couple of good ones. The first one was submitted by uh, a member of our forum at Fifle.com named Logan, this first story. Uh, hey, use those forums, y'all. Use those forums because we might mention you if, uh, if there's something that we like. So yeah. uh, it was reported by Time.com that authorities in Florida had to advise people not to fire guns into Hurricane Irma after 22-year-old tw- after Ryan Edwards created a Facebook event called Shoot at Hurricane Irma, and it generated interest from over 45,000 Facebook accounts. Now, this guy claimed, and I don't know if he's serious or if he's trying to backpedal, uh, he claimed he started it as a joke out of a combination of stress and boredom, and he told Time.com, I'm amazed that anyone could see it as anything else than a joke. Um, I think the one thing that we sh- that we know, Sean, and anybody listening to this, don't start a Facebook event even as a joke because somebody is gonna buy it. Oh yeah, there was when when Facebook was first like a big thing, like it was restricted to like college students and businesses and stuff, and there was an event made called Poke Joe Kim Noah on Facebook. Joe Kim Noah was a center for the Florida Gators, a rival team of the Kentucky Wildcats. And, like, dozens of thousands of people poked him on Facebook. And he responded to it by dunking on one of our players and then poking the air afterwards. (laughs) So he knew it. And I felt bad for the guy. Shooting a hurricane? All I can say is, glad we don't get hurricanes in Kentucky because... And let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question, because I, when I heard the story, I recalled another story that I had heard previously. So here's a question. Where do you think those bullets go? Nigel, where do you think the bullets go? Straight up, hopefully, and then... So on July 1st, 
okay? 13-year-old Noah Inman from Hammond, Indiana was killed when he was struck by a falling bullet that was likely fired into the air by someone in a nearby community. The bullets don't disappear. They come down eventually. So if you're going to be an idiot shooting into a hurricane, think about where those bullets might end up. People are so stupid, John. This is why we do this, man. This is why. I'm not a ballistics expert, but yeah, I would not do that. No, I would definitely not do that. Uh, this next one was reported by WSFA NBC 12 out of Montgomery, Alabama on September 6th. These are great, Sean. I got to tell you. So <laughs> a, man, a man named Chris Sevier is suing the state of Alabama for not recognizing his marriage to his computer. <laughs> <laughs> he is part of a lawsuit alongside three other people that claims he married an object with female-like features in New Mexico and tried to get a marriage license in Alabama, as well as in Utah, Colorado, and Kentucky, and he's been denied the marriage license in every state. The group refers to themselves as machinists. I just want to say I sympathize with him because at this point, myself and my computer should probably be common law married. Like, as much as I'm on it... Okay. Yeah. Uh, does your Does your computer give you an erection, Sean? I'm not, talking about, story, I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about the story happens. I'm, I'm not talking about when you go on to like Pornhub or something. I, I guess I should have specified. I mean, I just want to say, you know what kind of computer I have. Uh, I, I got re- a three monitor setup. <laughs> yeah. Okay, monitor. Nigel. I think the answer to that question is yes, Nigel, and I need to move on. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this last one, Sean, right up the alley, sort of of the other one. It was reported by the Daily Mail, which means it might be fake news. Might be. Reported by the Daily Mail on September 11 that 33-year-old Yulia Panferova from St. Petersburg, Russia, is suing a loan company in Russia called Bistro Dengi, which I guess means quick money, because they ran a commercial that suggested that when you pay off the loan, you feel an inner satisfaction comparable to the state after having an orgasm. She claims she paid off the debt and didn't get that feeling. So she's suing the company. How much did she pay? Uh, I think it was a, if I remember right, I think it was a really small debt because she was testing the theory. So I think she like took out a loan for a thousand U.S. dollars or something, repaid the loan for a thousand U.S. dollars, did not get excited, and uh, and claimed false advertising. You've told me often, and you get what you pay for, Jimmy. It's very true. But what, what, what if she had taken out a hundred thousand dollar loan? be expecting some some reimbursement. <laughs> some reimbursement on that one. Jimmy, have... did you hear the Billy Kidman lyrics? Uh, no, I have not heard this. Oh my god, Jimmy. I, you know this will be the third straight day I've talked about it on a podcast, but I gotta read them to you. Okay. What was this from? Want... This is his theme from fifth, like 15 years ago. From WCW? No, WWE. From WWE, you really? got to hear this. these theme lyrics. First off, the song is titled, You Can Run. <laughs> okay. Listen to these lyrics, Jimmy, and react accordingly. <laughs> Are you going to sing it, too? No. Oh. Because, see, society, they label me as a threat. But I'm just getting started. I'm not finished yet. Look me in my eyes. I can see your thoughts. All your ups and downs, all your little faults. Keep acting tough. 
it's gonna get creepy. All of a sudden, you're starting to feel sleepy. What? Hold on. <laughs> but in the streets, when you doze off, you wake up with your clothes off. <laughs> Are you kidding? No. A shame. That was his real song. Whoa. You see my crew. You know my style. Victory is mine. You're going down. So he roofies women. <laughs> Wow, and he's singing about it too. It's well, not him. It's I know somebody. I can't track down. I've been trying to track him down. Yeah, like yeah. hard. For while, an hop while hopping to the ring, Billy Kidman is coming out to uh, to this uh, roofy raping entrance music. <laughs> and I saw this on a Reddit squared circle post where they questioned this, and I was like, man. And my favorite comment on there was somebody said. This is about date rape, and somebody said there is nothing to indicate they were on a date <laughs> at all. They could have been but, on the street. Yeah, it looks like they could have been on the street, maybe. I've been looking on social media for this rapper. I think I need to be looking in on jail tracker, like yeah. at, at the inmate bookings and stuff. Have you ever seen I, the movie Hall Pass? I have. So it's such a such a funny movie. There's a scene. The premise, if anybody hasn't seen it, is that these married men get a hall pass from their wives, meaning that they're allowed to have a one night stand. And they've been married for so long that they're they've been out of the game. They don't remember how to pick up and all that stuff. And so they're at a bar trying to try different things, failing miserably. One of them, the guy goes up to a woman with a cloth in his hand, puts it over her mouth, and says, "Excuse me, does this smell like chloroform?" And then he pulls it away and he goes, "I'm just kidding. Hi, nice to meet you." <laughs> Man. Yeah, I sent the lyrics to Billy Kidman and said, we need an explanation, and he hasn't gotten back to me yet. Wow, very interesting. Very, well, you're going to have to keep me posted on that one. So, um, okay, we, uh, today we've had some, some, a little bit of, of, of negativity on the show, a little bit of a downer with the John Jones thing <laughs> and Global Force Wrestling a little bit. Let's talk about some positivity, Sean, because some good things are happening in WWE right now. Yeah, oh yeah. Right? And, and I want to say this, so uh, we've spoken on the show before about how this day and age, wrestling fans now are educated, they're knowledgeable, they read the internet, uh, and so we thought that it's wiser to weave some real life into the storylines because the people aren't stupid, they know what's going on. And we've seen Roman Reigns and John Cena now uh, three weeks in a row doing these workshoot promos and they're getting over. Uh, we've seen Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon go back and forth, and Kevin Owens making reference to the helicopter crash, and that is, is doing gangbusters now. Now you had Enzo Amore in a segment with The Miz, kind of acknowledging the heat that he has you know, backstage in real life, talking to, of all people, the guy who, when he came in, what, 10, 15 years ago, had that same heat in the locker room. So if anybody knows about it, The Miz does. Uh, I think WWE is doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, I thought I thought the stuff with uh, Enzo this week and with Roman and with Braun uh, was all great. I love Braun's finisher, the running power slam, the old British Bulldog running power slam. I think it fits him perfectly. And uh, Vince McMahon, that guy, what can you say about that guy? Yeah. So so 72. not only so Nigel, let me let me tell you, man. Yeah. Vince McMahon is 72, right? Last night on SmackDown, he took uh, what they call a shoot headbutt meaning that he was headbutted for real hard in the middle of the forehead, dropped like a stone, and then started bleeding. 
because the wrestler hit him for real with a, with a solid headbutt. Then he gets to his feet. This is a 72-year-old man. Gets to his feet, takes a bump off a, off a punch, takes a, uh, a uh, splash from the top rope from Kevin Owens. Unbelievable that this guy's taking this stuff at 72. And did you see when him and Kevin Owens, before he threw the headbutt, they were, Vince was talking to him? I bet Vince was telling him, hit me hard. I bet you that's yeah. what he was telling them, right? And uh, unbelievable that he would take that shot. I know that Jeff uh, on the post-Smackdown show was critical, saying, you know, CTE is a problem, and Daniel Bryan, you know, is having concussion issues. And obviously Vince wasn't thinking about any of that when this happened. Uh, all he was thinking about was, I want to I wanna get this guy over, and I want to shock some people. And uh, I thought he did a good job of it. And, and Hulk Hogan, for one, tweeted today, September 13th, Vince just taught this new crew how to get somebody over. Now Shane needs to put icing on the cake. Then KO will be money forever. So they're going to wrestle at Hell in a Cell, Shane and Kevin. Do you think that Kevin is going to just just plow through him uh, and injure him? And do you think this might be setting something up for Kevin at the top of the card? Do you think he might be going on a run? It should. Yeah? It should because Kevin Owens is very special. You're always going to have the dumb detractors. Oh, he doesn't look like a champion. But <laughs> is that AJ is, Styles again? Yeah, again. Well, what I hear here, and uh, uh, there are those people you know that are stuck in the '80s, stuck in the '90s. Everybody was on roids back then, y'all. Uh, they don't want their wrestlers' hearts exploding at 40, if you believe that or not. Right. But uh, he is the everyman, and that that's a real benefit. I often tell a story about. <laughs> My cousin who we put in WWE 2K16, the first guy he stopped at, mm-hmm. Kevin Owens. And I was like, why are you interested in him? And he was like, he looks different. Mm-hmm. By looking like every dude, he looks different than what's on the screen, and that's something a lot of people can get behind. Not only that, he's funny. Yeah. He's believable in, in what he says. Like when he got face-to-face with Daniel Bryan last night and said, Vince McMahon isn't going to like what I have to say. I was mm-hmm. like, man, Vince McMahon – is fucked. (laughs) That's what I thought. And as it turns out, he was. I thought the the angle was perfect. And as I mentioned last night, this could be the last guy that Vince McMahon ever physically puts over. I think that Kevin Owens is the measuring stick by which everybody else should be measured. Uh, I I think he's the best thing on the SmackDown brand. Arguably, he's the best thing in the entire company. Although, you know, there's guys on Raleigh Braun that we really like. But uh, I think he's... Physique aside, because I know that WWE is big into the physical presentation. Physique aside, this guy can go in the ring. He's probably the best promo man on on SmackDown, maybe Jericho being the exception. Uh, He listens to the crowd. He plays off the crowd. 33 is real young for WWE right now, too. Yeah, it's true. They're working in their mid-40s now. Yeah, when he acts mad, you believe he's mad. When he acts happy, you believe he's happy. Uh, and you know what they always say, right? They say that a great heel is a heel whose heelish actions are being done because they believe in it. They think that they're in the right. That's what makes a great heel. And Kevin Owens is out there saying, look, I was physically assaulted by Shane. Like, he, he unprovoked, he, he, he put his hands on me. Now I'm going to sue everybody. He believes he's in the right for what he's doing. That's what makes a great heel. And he was in, how many segments was he in last night, Sean? Between the backstage segments and in the ring? Four or five segments? I think, yeah, several. And by the way, I love his affection towards Aiden English. I think it's hilarious. That was great. 
and and the smile on his face like he was genuinely loving the song that he was singing yeah. uh, he's the best thing on that show and and again I think that he should be the bar by which everybody else is measured because uh, he just has things about him that, that nobody else does uh, there was an article in the Argus Leader, which is a US, USA Today publication. It's dated August 31st. And this is yet another reason why Kevin Owens is excellent. Uh, he was talking to them about the Face of America character. And here's a direct quote. He said, I'm moving away from that now by choice because there's so many people on SmackDown right now talking about America, whether it's Jinder Mahal or Rusev. I don't like being like other people. When I started the Face of America, there was nobody on SmackDown doing that kind of stuff, and now there's too many of us. I'm gonna going. I'm gonna go back to being Kevin Owens, and that's always worked out pretty good for me. Um, how many guys would just keep doing what they're told every week, even if it's not working? If, you know, and and a lot of them aren't even able to kind of gauge whether it's working or not because they they just don't have that in them. And he does, and uh, he's great. I, I feel like we put him over every week, but he is. Yeah, he's on he top surveyed. Of this game. He surveyed the land, he saw the situation, and he adjusted. I honestly, uh, I wish more guys would do that because, honestly, Jinder Mahal shouldn't be in that situation. He shouldn't be where he is. If you can't remember how to do your finish in the main event of a pay-per-view, that that says that speaks plenty, plenty to me. Uh, also, I want to put over the Miz for having the old rick flair carlito talk to enzo amore on raw that mm-hmm. was really good and for those of you who don't know what i'm talking about go back just type in rick flair carlito promo from like i think it was 07 where earlier that afternoon vince mcmahon had a real conversation with rick flair and said you need to prove your worth around here if you want to stick around right and rick flair cut an awesome promo on carlito carlito a guy who had <clears throat> I don't want to say all it took to be a top guy, but all it took to be an upper mid-carder, maybe a challenger. He had athleticism. He had a, a different look. He had a type of charisma to him. He was born into the business. He was familiar with the business, but didn't care and didn't put it all together for a while, and Ric Flair goes off on him. Mm-hmm. Great mm-hmm. stuff. Miz had that talk with Enzo Amore and did it in a way that didn't negate Enzo Amore's skills. He mm-hmm. said, I see a lot in you, but if you think you're going over to 205 Live and you're competing with Neville, you're high off your ass. Not, not word for word. <laughs> but he, in, he single-handedly put himself over, put Enzo over, put the cruiserweight division over, really put Neville over, right, and didn't hurt anybody. And as we talked about on the Raw podcast, Enzo Amore, despite all the, the, the things that people hear about him, and you know they hear it about him because they react to Miz talking about those backstage instances. Oh, they know. They know. He's still super over. People love him. He moves numbers. That's what's important to WWE, and Enzo is such a good actor. He is. Like, I mean, I, I, I did think that Miz shit on him a little bit. Like, Miz got the best of him in that promo. Uh, Enzo just kind of looked at him because I think he was a little lost on what to say based on everything Miz was saying. But uh, you know what? Again, there are people that believe, oh, you know, their, their real life should be kept out of it and you should respect their privacy. And we've talked about this before. They're in a business that's different from standard television and different from movies, even though Vincent Man likes to think it's the same thing. Because with TV and movies, the actors have the uh, luxury of filming in a studio weeks or months in advance. And that way they can get around any scandal or any controversy that occurs with any of the talent. In pro wrestling, you're in front of a live crowd live on television every week. And that means that if, if something happens to you, if you get into a bar fight on Sunday, by the time you're on Raw on Monday, the crowd knows about it. 
and that is the difference. And so uh, I think they should be weaving the real life in more. There should be a line they don't cross. Uh, but again, the crowd is aware of everything going on, and so I think they need to do it. Uh, I said last week or week before that they should turn Rusev babyface by having him come to the aid of Lana because everybody knows they're married. Everybody. You got to, is he going to kick Tamina's ass? I was thinking Dolph. I was thinking that they have Dolph, you know, bully her. But uh, everybody knows they're married, so why, 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 you know, insult people's intelligence by not uh, by not talking about it? SmackDown did a good job last night weaving people onto the show that wouldn't have been on otherwise, like Aiden English and Sami Zayn. Right. They got them on the show, got them involved with a top character on the show. Right. Yeah. I, and otherwise they wouldn't have been on it. But you see a guy like Kevin Owens. Yeah. And you see the way that he performs. You see the kind of matches that AJ Styles has all the time. You see Rusev doing what he's doing, and then you look over and you see Jinder Mahal as the champion. And there's there are people on my Facebook that are like, oh, yeah, but people want to see Jinder get beat up. Not that much. They're not showing up to live events. I've seen it for eight months. Yeah, I've seen him get beat up all the time. Yeah. He's just not good there, and that's okay. Yeah. It's okay to try something, fail, and move on. It's right. okay. Right, There's right. nothing wrong with it. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just just move on from it. It's not a, oh, I, I want to see him get beat up. I can't wait to tune into that pay-per-view to see him get his ass kicked. It's when he's on TV, I'm like, man, change the channel. Last night, he it switched bad. it up a little bit. That was bad. By, but it was, he like Jeff said, he unleashed one too many horrible jokes. Yeah, yeah. It was bad, and, 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 and the guffaw laughing, like the fake guffaw laughing, and the Singh brothers were overacting, like doubled over laughing. I like them, and, though. Yeah, but like it's, they, they just tried too hard. But uh, you know something, man? This is where I'm going to up you on the segue. So I was talking about how they should weave real life in, right? One of the things that Vince Russo spoke to you guys about was how they should weave real life into storyline. And you know what's interesting about this clip that we have, Sean? This was taped a few weeks ago. He actually says in this clip that they should have Enzo Amore on television acknowledging the backstage heat. Uh, and I thought that was kind of ironic given what happened uh, on Raw this week, so. You know I'm sexy. I want to talk about not your not your storyline writing, Vince. Your magazine writing. Mm -hmm. I was a Vic Venom guy back in the day. I remember there were things because the writing in WWF magazine and Raw magazine were two different things. And you've often I've heard you speak about how the Raw magazine was part of the catalyst for the Attitude Era. But the Vic Venom page that would run in WWF magazine sometimes you would reveal some stuff that. People didn't know about yet. Like I remember one time you, you just outwardly put Mankind is Cactus Jack. And that was before he even debuted on TV. What kind of clearance did you have to get for stuff like that? Or would they feed you things and be like, no, nah, not at all. There. Let people know. Bro, bro, I knew nobody in the office was reading the magazine. So I knew I could say whatever I wanted in the magazine because nobody was reading. Vince McMahon was not reading the WWE magazine. As a matter of fact, here's an interesting story, Sean. We, um, we, we start the Raw magazine, 
And one of the first things I did in the Raw magazine, bro, was a shoot interview with Brett. And it was when yeah. Brett, Brett was on the verge of going to WCW. Bro, in, in the WWE magazine, the Raw magazine, we were referencing Eric Bischoff, bro. We were talking about Eric Bischoff. Now, here's the funny thing. Remember how I told you nobody read the magazine? Bro, I used to have, I used to, have to write the story and get everything laid out and everything, then I would have to send them up to Bruce Pritchard. And Bruce Pritchard was like the final say-so on the magazine because Vince wouldn't look at the magazine. Yeah. Well, bro, this one case with this freaking Brett story, Bruce took this and literally ran up to Vince McMahon's office with this. <laughs> and, bro, this is, I swear to God, I'm as serious as a heart attack. I get called up to Vince's office one day, bro, and he's got the layout of the Brett magazine on his desk, okay? And, bro, I swear to you, he takes his arm and freaking clears the desk in one motion, and he goes, what the hell are you trying to do to me? Are you trying to put me out of business with an interview like this? What the hell are you trying to do? And, bro, like, inside I was laughing because I was like, Bro, I'm not trying to put you out of business. I'm trying to bring you business. You know, the old, you know, Duke the Dumpster Drozzy and T.L. Hopper and that stuff is dead and gone, bro. This is the freaking new wave. I mean, you got Bret Hart talking about the competition. This is the way we need to go. And I mean, bro, you can look back on incidents like that. And that was really the start of the freaking attitude era where we started shooting with it. We started being real about it and everybody respected us for it. I remember, I'll never forget the cover that had Vince McMahon with a microphone speaking to Diesel and it was Vince Raw and it was the summer. It was right after the NWO formed. And Vince McMahon was in there basically saying, well, I know we said new generation, but those two guys that left were old. Right. They were 37 years old. And I was like, whoa, because I didn't know that. I was an 11-year-old kid, and I'm like, wait a second. Those new generation guys were in their late 30s. Like, I'd... And when I saw that magazine, a cousin of mine had, had bought it. I was like, this is what I want to read. I want to read what's going on behind the scenes. Do you think that stuff like that, help facilitate maybe the nature that we're in now where everybody craves backstage stuff. I, yeah, I mean, I, I think so, Sean, but you know, bro, people don't know this. When I started as the editor of the WWE magazine, I think it was 94 or 95, whenever bro, every from cover to cover, every page of that magazine was fabricated. They made the stuff up for the boys. They never interviewed anybody. They never spoke to anybody. It was all made up by the writers. And then yeah. I got in there. I'm like, wait a minute, bro. You, you got access to these guys. You can go to TV. You could sit down with them all day long. Why are you making this stuff up? And that's really, that's really where the change started. So, yeah, bro, people today really, they want to know what's going on. And, bro, that's part of the problem with wrestling today. You know, now they're about to embark on this big Kurt Angle. angle. You know, yeah. he had an affair with somebody. Either he's got an illegitimate son, whatever the case is. Bro, nobody's going to buy that today. What they need to do, bro, is they need to go with real-life situations and what's really happening 
and put that in front of the freaking camera and work the freaking marks. Let Enzo go out there next week and say, hey, you want to know why they really broke up me and Big Cass? You want to know? Because they don't like me. Because I got a big mouth. Because I don't fall in. That's what they need to freaking do, bro. They can't create angles where Kurt Angle had an affair or he's got nobody's going to buy that. But when you take a shred of reality, bro, I swear to God, I, I would have freaking Alberto Del Rio in that ring on freaking impact shooting with what happened between him and pay. I mean, the whole nine yards, that's what the people want. And now you got your dirt sheets. Oh, wait a minute. Is, is he working this? Did that real now they don't know again. It's so easy, but it gets back to what we talked about at the beginning, Sean. People are afraid of the unknown. If we were afraid of the unknown, bro, there would have never been an attitude era. We would have never done it because we would have been afraid. I right, uh, figured you were going to handle the segue <laughs> out, too, Jimmy. Is that what you're going to do? Uh, you know, man, sometimes I have to pick up the ball when you drop it, and that's what I did uh, on that segue. Um, well, you know it's what? not my fault that your balls haven't dropped yet, Jimmy. I got two kids. I think they have. Yeah, good try, though. Science has come a long way. <laughs> so uh, has, has it come that far? If so, I'd like to know about it. Gonna have, you're going to have eight-year-olds having kids then, Nigel. Uh, yeah. So uh, everything that we talked about before uh, Russo's segment is true, and I, I also think what he said is true in terms of doing storylines like the Jason Jordan, Kurt Angle, son thing. Uh, people aren't going to buy it this day and age because they know it's not true, just, just like yeah. he said, and I, I, I agree with him. I want to move on and talk about Drew Gulak. Uh, here is a guy that is just, I don't think, getting the press that he deserves. He's not getting the attention that I think he deserves because I actually really like what he's doing on 205 Live. Last night was a, a rarity. I got to watch 205 Live live, and normally I catch it on YouTube because of my schedule, but I was able to see it. Uh, I love what he's doing with the PowerPoint presentation. So, Nigel, because you're not... Uh, Probably, I'm going to assume you didn't watch 205 Live last night. No, Nigel. I can't say that. On the, on, the, on the WWE Network. So there's a, there's a guy, 205 Live is their show that's dedicated to their cruiserweight uh, talent. Okay. And his character is that he's almost like a politician and he's campaigning for a better 205 Live. That's his campaign. He gets in the ring and he has a PowerPoint presentation on the big screen and it claims it has 277 slides. And each slide is, is an, each slide is an example of how to make 205 Live better. And, and of course, the, the gimmick is that he only gets through one or two slides a week before he's interrupted, right? Okay. So uh, this week he was out there. Now, there's two things I love about what he's doing, Sean, Drew Gulak. The first thing is it actually got Microsoft's attention last week, if you can believe it. And Microsoft actually tweeted him and said, uh, Drew Gulak, what's slide three, Captain? Because when they saw the first week, he only got through the second slide. Yes. So they got his attention. Uh, this week, uh, I couldn't help but love what he did because, number one, I don't think Drew Gulak gives a fuck about who, who's watching the show. Number two, it's clear that either management's not watching the show or they just don't, they're not familiar with everybody on the show because one of the slides that he had this week had uh, Okada from New Japan on it. Uh, and there was a guy on Twitter by the name of Kaiju Joe that pointed it out. He was wearing a mask. And what it turned out to be was it was his character in the Tekken 7 game 
because uh, they did a collaboration with New Japan Pro Wrestling. So what Drew Gulak put in that PowerPoint presentation was Okada from the Tekken 7 video game. Yes. And and clearly nobody had any idea in management. They had no idea that he essentially put a guy from, I guess you could kind of say, a competing promotion uh, in mm-hmm. the PowerPoint. But uh, I love what he's doing, man. I, I love the uh, the whole idea. Clearly the point's going to be every week he only gets through like two slides. He's going to get – and he's going to get uh, – uh, someone's going to interfere every week. But uh, I like it. I'm curious how long they're going to let it go. And do you think there's a chance they might actually put him on SmackDown? Because they, in the past, they did. They did like a couple of little backstage vignettes with them. But what do you think? Or on Raw, I think I guess it's I a shame say. that something so entertaining isn't being seen. Yes, agreed. That, that's unfortunate. That's a, that's and it's sad that that's how I feel when something happens. Not that it's not seen. That there's no buzz about it. Yes. Because if this were on SmackDown or Raw, there would be. If a lot of the Global Force angles were on Ring of Honor in New Japan, there'd be a little more buzz about that, too. Yes. Like, 205 Live, I don't want to say it's a tainted brand, but people have already decided if they're going to start watching that show or not. Agreed. And that's 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 unfortunate. Lucha Underground the same way. If you Like, you don't see a lot of people just randomly picking up Lucha Underground, which, unfortunate, well, maybe unfortunate. They haven't filmed in a year and a half, but... yeah. <laughs> I think it's cool. I'm glad that he's he's going above and beyond to do things that will keep people interested in him. Do you know if he created that whole thing? Was that him? Or, or did somebody come up with I, it? I don't know. I can find out, though. But, yeah, okay. it, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Drew Gulak, uh, the, one of the people that Matt Riddle said tried to shoot on him in the middle of a match just to, like, to playfully test himself. Right, right. Well, you know what it reminded me of? It, it reminds me of Jericho's Thousand and Two Holds. Uh, except thousand he's, and four. I'm sorry, thousand, thousand and four. Don't count those other two. My bad, my bad. Armbar, armbar. I forgot two of them. But uh, I love that. It's, it reminds me of that. But he's spreading it out, you know, over X number of weeks. Clearly, he's never going to get to 277 slides because they're probably going to kill it after another two or three weeks. Yes. But uh, I like it. I think that it should be on on main roster television because they could do a lot with that, right? And and again, if he wasn't a cruiserweight, it would be on main roster television. But because they look yep. at cruiserweights a certain way. He's got to be on that show. I like it. I would much rather Jinder Mahal be doing PowerPoint presentations than you people. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And uh, one more thing on my list this week, Dolph Ziggler. What the hell are they doing? He's just out there mocking. Uh, setting him up to lose to Bobby Roode. They're setting him up to lose to Bobby Roode because that's going to be one of the entrances that he does. Is that the plan? Or Bobby Roode's going to interrupt it with his own gimmicky entrance. Uh yeah. What do you think about Oscar on Raw? Uh, I mean, it was already expected because it already came out uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, and kind of. I mean, there were a lot of people reporting that she was going to be on SmackDown because of uh, TLC and all this stuff, and that didn't happen. Yeah, but the the Target Center. Wait a sec. No, it was Raw where the Target Center website said she was going to be at whatever pay per view is coming to Minnesota. Might be TLC. I, I thought that was a okay. That is, that is a Raw pay per view. It was Raw, Brand. right? Um, and they had announced on the website at the time that Oscar was going to be there. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I'm I'm cool with that. I, I they the funny thing is it's because they thought that Raw needed more depth than SmackDown. Which SmackDown, it's not depth. They just don't have Charlotte or Becky Lynch on the damn show. Right. Which is weird. Weird. Right. Especially when they're in the building. Yeah. I mean, they were there. They couldn't do which, anything with them. I mean, they were. I think last night it's because they wanted to put more emphasis on the May Young Classic thing, and they have 
they they probably were more, were more valuable to that broadcast just being there dressed up than they would have been on SmackDown. But I'm ready to get them involved again. I mean, uh, they it's had, been a while. I'm ready to get them involved again. Shinsuke and Orton were in a dark match last night, I think. Huh. So. Uh, huh. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I uh, I think I think it'd be interesting to see Oscar and Nia Jax on the main roster. That'd be an interesting match. It looks like they're they might go with Nia with uh, with a title run for a little while off Alexa. So. We'll see what comes of that. That's all I got. I, I There is one other little thing about Enzo. I, I wasn't going to mention it, but what the hell. I guess I'll mention it. So going back to uh, Raw when they're talking about his backstage heat and all that kind of stuff, Liv Morgan from NXT, who was his girlfriend, uh, posted it on Twitter on September 9th, me knowing that I'm single and nobody's cheating on me. And it was a picture of her smiling. I don't know, man. The, the hits just keep coming for Enzo Amore, don't they? They just keep and he coming. keeps getting more over and more over and more over. Yeah, yeah, it's true. He even, one doesn't have to be a good person to be a successful entertainer. And and the thing is, his character on television is a likable character. Like, who knows how he is at a bar, but on television, it's a likable character. Well, I know how he is at a bar. He has security escort him out because too many fans are asking him for autographs. Or strippers in Buffalo are uh, are shitting on him for you know claiming he's too fit, too uh, rich and famous to give them one. Like literally shitting on him? Is that something that he paid for? <laughs> okay, this is not a stupid people story, Sean. I know usually that's where you want me to keep that content. That that window duty story blew up last week. You mentioned that. Oh really? yeah, my wife was like, "Did you hear what happened?" I was like, "Yeah, I covered that on our podcast." Huh? Really? So I got to educate her about the double pain duty. That's great. It's what I'm here for. So have fun in Florida. Thank you. Uh, hopefully the site doesn't go to shit while you're gone. And uh, if Alex Pawlowski is listening to this, this is your opportunity to step up and uh, put yourself in the running for Sean's job. So don't fuck there it up. There you go. All you got to do, <laughs> Alex, is... Not care about your family or your friends. <laughs> learn learn a lot about MMA. Maybe do some training. Learn enough about boxing to get by. <laughs> Never take days off. Uh, Nigel, he gets so defensive, Sean. If oh, I was if, if I if I was I'm a YouTube commenter, Alex here. I'm giving him advice. If I was a YouTube comment commenter right now, he would be going off. <laughs> no, no, let, let's talk about this. You say that, and then if, if like one person pops up on our YouTube that's like Jimmy poops his pants, you address it the next week on the show. But I laugh there at somebody it. on YouTube apparently says that I poop my pants. But I find huh? it okay. Do I sound like Vince McMahon when I talk now? All of a sudden, if you were Vince McMahon, you'd be like, God damn it! <laughs> whenever, whenever I comment on criticism, I laugh at it. I think it's funny. This is the difference between sure you and I. You do. I think it's all sure fun. Sure you do. I do. Absolutely. We you, Jimmy. Nigel we knows me. You know what? Nigel knows me. He would vouch for the fact that I don't give a shit about that stuff, and I think it's funny. So long as you don't mock my family, uh, then I'm pretty much good with anything. So Then you would hate my job, Jimmy. They mock your family? Of course they do. Are you really? kidding me, Jimmy? I've never seen Jim, that. Last week, what happened? You hit me with messages. Yeah. That some fool sent you on Twitter. Yeah. And you said, all right, explain it. Here's a little behind I did. the scenes, guys. I did. And it was a guy that I had fired twice, mind you, flakiest individual in the world, uh -huh. who got super creepy 
by the way, emailed me three times after we had this talk. Uh-huh. Un- unresponded to. And was like, this guy pretended to be my friend. And I had to show Jimmy and show somebody else months and months and months of messages of me saying, hey, guy, quit. Hey, guy, quit. Hey, guy, quit. We're not hiring you back. We're not hiring you back. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. And it got a little personal. They tried to. They basically tried to cost me my job because I, they didn't do their own. Like, that, and I've had people that like stalked out my wife's Instagram, stalked out her Facebook. We had to change our uh, Facebook display names for a while because we were getting ads from people and messages from people that you know we didn't we weren't trying to talk to, especially when they hit you up threatening you and stuff like that. Like, it's just a part of the territory, Jimmy. So how did that guy uh, rip on your family? Oh, my God. When hasn't he? Anytime. I mean, the literally, the way that <clears throat> I came to know him is when he applied, he said, LOL, hey, best friend. And I'm like, why, why did he make that comment? Then he said, hey, sorry for uh, trolling you in the past. I had to go look it up. I had to go look it up, and I saw all the things this dude has said. And since then, I had muted him, so I didn't see anything. Looked again after that situation, saw all the things that were said. And, you know, that's just that's part of it, Jimmy. You know, I, you I, don't I, see, Jimmy, you don't see it. You don't get all these. You get the occasional listing your boy comment. I, I, uh, the, I just chalk it up to you being ignorant to your fans and not liking the attention. You don't like you don't get the raw crowd. Our raw crowd is wild. I like our I like I don't say fans. I say readers and viewers. That's what we it is. We don't have fans. We have people that read us and they view us. Listeners. But there yeah. are some creeps. There are some weirdos. Because wrestling's this weird situation. Like I'll have people come at me when I break a story or something. Like you don't know. You ain't talking to anybody like there's some sort of big black wall that prevents it. And they go from that to talking about family, to talking about people I hire, to talking about people I associate with. Like, the internet means that almost nothing is off limits. And that's weird, but it's something that you just deal with. I mute them and I move along. So we're, we've gone over time, but I, I want to tell a story quickly. I don't know if I've told this before. Have I ever told you my GeoCity you don't story? Tell stories. I don't. Have I, I told you, have I told you my GeoCity story before? GeoCities? Well. It's not 1998, so no, you haven't told me that. But it was at one time, Sean. It was at one time. So my old, I feel like I've told you this before, my old wrestling site, when I started out the site, it was on GeoCities. And there was a guy, after I'd been around for maybe a couple of years and started getting a following, a guy created another website on GeoCities, and the site was called I Hate Jimmy Van. And he and he took stock photos and put them up, and then he would have a caption underneath. Like one was a, a boy being bullied in school, and there was a caption underneath claiming that that boy was me. And he had a series. Like there was another one where a girl dumped a guy, and he claimed I was the one that got dumped. And he had a series of these. And somebody sent me that link, and the, the person that sent it to me was like, oh, my God, Jimmy, look what this person did. I thought it was awesome. And I hit the guy up and I said, will you please do an interview with me, please? Like, I would love to talk to you and, and interview you. And he never got back to me. I thought it was – people go out of their way to, to put energy and stuff like that into you. I, I have no issue with it. Again, so long as, number one, it doesn't get violent. That's obvious. Yeah. And, num- and number two, uh, don't say anything about my family. Otherwise, I, I have fun with it. No issue. Here's a fun story. You'll think it's stupid. Last year, before Fightful – there was a crowdfunding effort to get a guy who trolled me 
to come to our local gym and last a round with me. Really? It reached it reached $9,000 Canadian, and he didn't take it. Was Isn't there a goal with that kind of thing, or how does that work? Well, it was mainly people that mutually knew the two of us. Uh, our writer, Aaron Hyden, will, will know about it. He'll remember the situation. Okay. But he was from Montreal, and they crowdfunded an effort. It was going to be a crowdfunding effort. It reached $9,000 Canadian in commitment to just go five rounds. And I'm sitting there saying... Like thinking, man, I wish I was on better terms with this guy so I could be like, take the money, right? Come down here, you'll last the round. I'll make sure of it, right? And then we both walk away with a lot of money, right? Yeah, huh. disappeared from the face of the earth. And that was a person who attacked my family too. But you know, for for five thousand, I'll let it go. <laughs> for five thousand, I'm gonna remember say what that. you want. I my mother's a whore. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Well, we're over time, so that's a perfect place to end it, John. Yeah. Until next time, guys. I, I may come back from Orlando. I don't know. I don't know. Jimmy has a replacement in line. I'm so sensitive. <laughs> you are sensitive. But uh, have guys, fun in Orlando. Until next Until next time, follow him at JimmyVan74. Follow me at Sean Ross Sapp. Follow us at Fightful Online. Until next time, we're out. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.